ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له اشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله صلوات الله وسلامه عليه اما بعد يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون يا ايها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحده وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والارحام ان الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما اما بعد فان اصدق الحديث كتاب الله واحسن هدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اشر امور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار ثم اما بعد الحمد لله we continue going over the tremendous book by the Imam the Mujaddid Muhammad bin Abdul Wahhab rahmatullah alayhi a book which is entitled Tafsir Kalimat At-Tawhid the explanation of the statement of At-Tawhid we had concluded from the section where the Allama Sheikh Saleh Al-Fawzan went over the proper meaning of the kalima of a tawhid that being la ma'buda bihaqqin illa allah that the proper meaning for the kalima of a tawhid and the kalima of a tawhid then it is la ilaha illa allah naam and that the proper meaning of it is la ma'buda bihaqqin illa allah that none has the right to be worshipped in truth except Allah. And the Allama, he mentioned some of the false interpretations for the kalima of At-Tawheed and why they are false and incorrect. After concluding from that section, where it has been clearly explained what is the uluhiyya, what is the uluhiyya, That Allah and only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one to be worshipped. Naam. That all worship, it belongs to Allah and to Allah jalla wa'ala alone. After explaining what is the true uluhiyyah, the Imam Muhammad bin Abdul Wahhab, he attacks and he addresses some of the misconceptions that the people they have in uluhiyyah and how they have taken this term in uluhiyyah and they have 
corrupted its meaning until they have turned it into the opposites of uluhiyya and they give a shirk meaning to al-uluhiyya or they try to place al-uluhiyya upon a concept of shirk and this is of tremendous importance that we know and we understand the likes of the misconceptions as relates to a tawheed so that we know what to avoid and that we're able to identify it and we're able to recognize it when we come across it so it is of extreme importance and also that when there are issues that are present there are mistakes that are present and when there are misconceptions that are rampant it is a must that not only is the truth explained but also these misconceptions have to be refuted they have to be refuted and thus they have to be mentioned so that they are refuted it is not enough just to call to the good just calling to the good alone and explaining what is the good is good no doubt and is a part of the equation but it is not the whole in the 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 sum or the total of the equation but there has to there has to be coupled along with that a refutation on falsehood there has to be coupled with that a refutation upon falsehood naam so the imam he mentions and in this is a refutation upon the sufiya a refutation upon the sufis naam the imam he mentions he says fa'lam imam muhammad bin abdul wahhab rahmatullah alayhi he mentions he says fa'lam ان هذه الالوهيه هي التي تسميها العامه في زمننا السر والولايه والاله معناه الولي الذي فيه سر وهو الذي يسميه وهو الذي نعم يسم يسمونه الفقير والشيخ the sheikh the imam he mentions he says and, and know and know that this uluhiyya that this uluhiyya right is what the general folk of our time meaning the time in which he lived in they name it and they call it and refer to it as as-sir wal wilaya the secret and the wilaya uh like that uh, the wilaya yani meaning referring to their awliya their quote unquote saints and righteous ones and wal ila ma'nahu al wali and what they call a wali a saint in reality is what was referred to before as an ilah a false deity okay what they call a wali as the sheikh is going to explain the imam is going to explain shortly what they call a wali is what the polytheists of old called a false deity a god naam in any event they say that this is a wali that he has with him a secret he has reached some type of secret level 
الشيخ and this is the one who their wali they refer to them as al-faqir al-shaykh this is how the sufis refer to the awliya of their deviant and polytheistic sufi orders they call these individuals al-faqir so and so al-shaykh so and so to the end of it naam al-shaykh fawzan rahimahullah ta'ala in commenting on the first half of this paragraph and that these are the ones or that the or that the uluhiyyah is that in which these sufis the commoners and the sufis they call it the secrets and they call it al-wilaya the secrets and the yani uh, the sainthood and the saints and he's referring to the awliya sheikh fozani says a يَعْتَقِدُونَهَا فِي الْأَوْلِيَاءِ That the uluhiyya, the true uluhiyya, they believe that their awliya have a portion of it. The true uluhiyya, they believe their awliya have a portion of it. In other words, they believe that their awliya have a, have a right to be worshipped or that certain aspects of worship are justly given to their awliya. That there's certain aspects of worship that the awliya share in and can be attributed to the awliya. This is what they believe. And they say that this wali fihi sir wa fihi wilaya. That this wali he has with him a secret and he has with him wilaya. That he's a wali and he has a portion of worship could be given to him. So therefore they seek to draw near to this wali. They seek to draw near to this wali. By what? By slaughtering in his name. Slaughtering for him and in his name. Wa'iyadhu and making oaths in the name of this wali. What dua and supplicating to this wali. What istighatha and seeking help in times of peril with this wali. Li'annahu fihi sir wa fihi wilaya. Because he has with him a secret. He is Christiani. Huh? And he has with him wilaya. He's from the awliya. So he can be prayed to and the like. So they seek to draw near to this wali by acts of worship. Because these astray Sufis, they believe that when you draw near to a wali, you subsequently draw near unto Allah. Wa'iyadu billah. Do you see the falsehood and the absurdity of their beliefs? They believe that if you direct acts of worship to a wali, it is okay because in doing that and drawing near to that wali by worshipping him you subsequently will draw near unto Allah Azza wa Jal and Allah Azza wa Jal he is far above and far removed over that in which they attribute unto him these individuals when you look at this you will say this is polytheistic this is paganism 
This does not sound like monotheism in any which way, shape, and form. When you're worshiping these individuals who you have taken as gods in reality, and you worship them, saying that your worship of them will get you near to the Creator, Azzawajal, A'udhu Billah. This is shirk bi'ayni. This is shirk, this is polytheism in its pure definition of it. This is exactly what it is. This is exactly yani, polytheism, exactly shirk. In any event, the Shaykh comments upon their statement that Al-Ilah ma'nahu al-wali that a false deity, the meaning of it is a wali. Meaning that they view their wali and who they call a wali is in reality a false deity. A wish who they say has a secret and they call him al-faqir and they call him shaykh. The shaykh he mentions, he says, al-sufiyya. The shaykh Fawzan he mentions, he says, al-sufiyya. Yusammuna al-abid. The sufiyya they call the abid. This abid worshiper, huh? the shaykh of their Sufi order, they call him a shaykh. Yani Sheikh al-Tariqa, meaning the Sheikh of the Sufi order. The Sheikh of the Sufi order. Al-Ladina ya'khudu, al-Ladhi, excuse me, al-Ladhi ya'khuduna anhu deenahum. The one who they take from him, their deen. And I need you to understand this. The Sufis, they take their deen from the Sheikh, the leader, or founder of their Sufi order. Okay? Just saying that within within itself, for the one who has a sound intellect, the absurdity of that statement jumps out at you in a most obvious and blatant manner. Okay? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to us the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he sent to us Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Naam. Allah Azza wa Jal, He chose Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and He sent him as the final Prophet and Messenger. Allah Azza wa Jal revealed to the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam the Quran. Okay? Despite that, these individuals take their deen from the Shaykh or founder of the Sufi order. They take their deen from this man who is the founder of their Sufi order as opposed of, of taking their deen from the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam from his Sunnah from the Quran that Allah Ta'ala revealed until his Messenger Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam instead of taking their deen from the Quran and from the Sunnah as understood by the Salaf of this Ummah they take their deen from the Shaykh of the Sufi order, if this is not the epitome of what is absurd, I don't know what it is. How in the world could this be a plausible way of implementing and practicing your religion? That you take it from this person, whom Allah Ta'ala did not choose, whom Allah Ta'ala did not reveal upon him a book, whom Allah Ta'ala has not revealed upon him anything from revelation, you take your religion from him and you leave and you, and you abandon the one who Allah Ta'ala he has sent as a messenger. You abandon that which the messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he came with 
huh? you abandon the, the wahiyain, the, 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 the two revelations of the Qur'an and the sunnah, and you take in whatever this person is telling you, أعوذ بالله لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله they take their deen. Shaykh Fuzani says, this is the one who they call Shaykh Al-Faqir, is the one who they take their deen from. وَالَّذِي يَأْخُذْ عَنْ الشَّيْخِ الطَّرِيقَةِ يُسَمُونَهُ الْمُرِيدِ And the one who is like the student, the one who's taken, you know, that Sufi, who's a part of a Sufi order, who's taking his direction, is taking his religion from this Sufi Shaykh, that person, that pupil, they call him Al-Murid. He's the Murid. Naam, the one who he's seeking, he's the seeker. But in reality, yani hadha, He's sick, in reality. Huh? He's sick. In any event, And this Murid, this one who's a quote-unquote, he's a seeker, their concept is that he is to be with his Shaykh of this Sufi order. He is to be with his Sufi Shaykh. He's supposed to be like the dead person between the hands of the one who was washing him. When the person he dies, he's being washed and prepared to be buried. Naam, when the washer raises his right side or puts it down and raises the left side and puts it down and so on and so forth, does the dead person fight, go against, contend with, oppose? No. He just moves however he is moved. This is what they say, how the seeker or the person who's a part of the Sufi order is to be with the sheikh of the Sufi order or the founder of the Sufi order. That whatever he say, you do it. Whatever he, whatever he say don't do, you don't do it. You follow his movements completely, like a puppet in the hand of the puppeteer. You follow it completely. Naam? Now, such a degree of blind following, such a degree of blind following, is this, is this how anyone outside of the Prophet is to be followed? Of course not. To follow to this extent, is this how anyone outside of the Prophet ﷺ is to be followed? Of course not. Never. Never. The Prophet ﷺ, we know that when it comes to the affairs of the religion and conveying the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that the Prophet ﷺ, he is infallible in this regard. When he speaks, he speaks from revelation. So when the Prophet ﷺ commands us to do something, we do it, no question. When the Prophet ﷺ commands us to stay away from something, we stay away from it, no question. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded us with this. وَمَا أَتَاكُمُ الرَّسُولِ فَخُذُوا وَمَا نَعَاكُمْ عَنْهُ فَانْتَهُوا Whatever the messenger gives you, take it. Whatever he prevents you from, stay away from it. This is what Allah has commanded us to do. But to be like this with who? With the Prophet wasallam, Not anyone else. Not anyone else. But with the Prophet wasallam, Even those whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded us to obey them, we obey them with the condition 
that their command does not contradict, does not contradict Allah and His Messenger. What is the proof? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, Allah Ta'ala, He says, Obey Allah and obey the Messenger and those in authority over you. Those in authority over you. If you look at this verse, it is not repeated before them the verb, the command verb, and obey. It is not. Allah Ta'ala says, Allah, obey Allah. And obey, command, and obey the messenger. And then it says, and those in authority over you. And those in authority over you. Okay? But it's not it's not said before, and obey those in authority. No. And those in authority over you. The Ulema, they mention that in this, there is a lesson for us, which shows us that what, when it comes to obeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that is without question. Allah ta'ala says, do it, it's done. Allah ta'ala says, stay away from it, then you have to stay away from it. That's it. No question. Likewise, with the Prophet wasallam, the one who does not speak on his own authority, but he speaks from revelation. When he tells us to do something, we do it. When he tells us to stay away from something, we stay away from it. No question. But as far as anyone else, then our obedience to them is under the condition that it does not imply disobedience to Allah and His Messenger. Okay? That it does not Implied disobedience to Allah's messenger, because the Prophet sallallahu he's telling us what he's telling us on the command of Allah from Allah subhanahu wa taala. So he's conveying to us Allah's command. So when the Prophet sallallahu tells us to do something, he's conveying to us the command of Allah, who commanded us to do it. He's conveying that command unto us. When the Prophet sallallahu tells us to stay away from something, he's conveying unto us. The prohibition from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prohibited us from doing such and such. He conveys that prohibition to us. Now, as far as other than the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, they are not receiving revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as the Prophet sallallahu is what? Is the final prophet and messenger. So anyone else is not going to be receiving revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So they can't say that they're doing nothing but conveying unto us uh, the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No. So anyone else, then we have to look at what they say and we judge it, we weigh it based upon what the book and the sunnah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He tells us, and those in authority over you. He obligates on us to obey those in authority over us, but what? But with the condition that as long as what they're telling us to do does not contradict the book and the sunnah. As the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, He said, La ta'a lil makhluq that there is no obedience to the creation that involves disobedience to the creator and this so this is across the board for everyone who we are obligated to obey we obey them as long as the command does not contradict the book in the sunnah who are the awliya oh excuse me who are ulu amri minkum who are those who are in authority over you who are they the ulama they say what is meant by those in authority over you, then they are the ulama, then they are the ulama, umara, and the rulers. Then they are the scholars and the rulers. The scholars and the rulers, then we obey them. And that which they command us to do, as long as it does not go against the book and the sunnah. Which means that what? 
that we obey them, but not blindly. We don't blindly obey them. So here in this verse here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for those who understand, makes it clear to us that we are not to blindly follow the scholars, nor are we to blindly follow the leaders. But if they tell us to do something that's in compliance to the Quran and the Sunnah, as understood by the Salaf of this Ummah, then we, oh, then we obey them in that. But if they tell us to do something that involves disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then we are not allowed to obey them. Now, so this indicates what? That our obedience to them is one that is built upon insight. It is not one that is built upon blindness. So there is no blind following. The Shaykh say, do it, so you do it, that's it. No. If it complies with the book and the sunnah, we do it. If not, we don't do it. We don't do it. Naam, the ruler tells you to do something, we do it. As long as it complies with the book and the sunnah. If it does not comply with the book and the sunnah, then we don't do that particular thing, but we still obey the ruler in general. Naam, so on and so forth. I hope that makes sense. In any event, when one looks at this, he will see that the mere concept that these Sufis have that a person is supposed to be like a dead person in the hands of the washer, that's how a person is supposed to interact with his sheikh, is a concept that is devoid of proof and evidence. This is a concept that is foreign to the deen of Al-Islam because we are commanded to obey those who we have to obey upon insight, not blindly. Upon insight. So that if they tell us to do, and with conditions, and that condition is that what? Their command has to be in compliance with the book and the sunnah. If their command is, 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 uh, contrary to the book and the sunnah, then we are not allowed to obey them. If they command us to do something that is haram, we are not allowed to obey them. If they command us to do something from bid'ah, we are not allowed to obey them. Ma'am? So, does that sound like a dead person between the hands of, of the washer? No, no way. But that's what these Sufis, this is what they teach their people. Naam. فَلَيْسَ لَهُ أَنْ يَعْتَرِضَ بِشَيْءٍ So, yani, uh, with the Sufis, they are, not to, they are not to oppose their scholars in anything. You see? They are not to oppose their scholars in anything. I want you to understand the reality of the Sufi concept. I want you to understand this reality. They are not to oppose their scholars or anything. Ya Subhanallah. Subhanallah. Do you see how so many people, how the shaitan, he has led people astray, giving them this Sufi concept, although they are not Sufis? Huh? Because the Sufis are not the only ones who are plagued with this erroneous concept. You have others who are plagued by this concept of blind following as well. When, it, when for them it becomes enough to say, Bashaykh so and so said. Bashaykh so and so said. Our frame of reference is not Sheikh so and so or Sheikh such and such. Our frame of reference is what? Is the book in the Sunnah. If what the Sheikh said is in compliance with the book in the Sunnah, then we follow it. If what the Shaykh says is not in compliance to the book and the Sunnah, then we respectfully decline implementing it. Why? Because it's not in compliance with what the book and the Sunnah. Do you understand what I'm saying? So when we look at this, then we realize 
that our our frame of reference and what we are connecting ourselves to is what is the truth and not necessarily the person that presented the truth to us not the sheikh himself but the truth that he is bringing this is what we're clinging on to the truth that he's bringing not him himself that he says something because at the end of the day do we say that it is impossible for the sheikh to be wrong do do we do we believe that that is impossible for the sheikh to be wrong regardless of who the sheikh is and what level he had attained are we saying it's impossible for him to be wrong or are we acknowledging that it is possible he can make an error and if he makes an error we don't follow him in that error do you, do, you, do you understand? So if, if I were to give you or look at it from another standpoint, let's look at the four imams. The four imams, we, we all love and we, we all respect them and we all yani, uh, acknowledge their levels of knowledge in which they had and how great of scholars they were, right? And how there have been, you know, not many people in this ummah uh, like them with regards to their knowledge and their understanding and so on and so forth you, you follow um, so we all yani, uh, acknowledge their their virtue we all acknowledge their virtue but if a person came and he says that I'm going to pray with my hands down on my side because this is what uh, is reported that Imam Malik did and we know Imam Malik he had an excuse for doing that he was incapable of putting his hand right on the left on his chest uh, as, as as he did before he was stricken uh, with, with, uh, with that uh, he used to do that. But then when he was incapable of doing that, then he feared Allah to the Allah to the best of his ability. Okay. Someone comes later and they say, Now, Maliki, no, we're gonna pray with our hands down to our side. We'll say that's not acceptable. They say, But Imam Malik, we're gonna follow Imam Malik and blind follow him. We wouldn't accept that. As great as Imam Malik was, right? We don't accept that you can blind follow Imam Malik in that why? Because the Prophet he commanded us to pray yani, with our, uh, our hands right on the left upon the chest. This is what he, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, used to do. So at the end of the day, we'll say, but Imam Malik, as great as he is, he's not the Prophet, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So therefore, we're going to follow who? the Prophet, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Yeah? And nobody will bat an eye to that. They'll say, okay, yeah. Uh, and the same can be said for Imam Shafi'i. The same can be said for Imam Abu Hanifa. The same can be said for Imam Ahmed. Yeah? Likewise, when it comes to yani, certain uh, from the category of praising and 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 uh, dispraise, jarhutadi. Likewise, there were individuals who were praised by Imam Ahmed, and that praise was not accepted, and vice versa, right? Because Imam Ahmed he doesn't know the unseen. No, none from the ulama know the unseen. And if there is knowledge and things that are known about individuals that are not known to these particular mashaykh and so on and so forth, then what do we say? We say, no, Imam Ahmed said it, so that's it. We're just going to follow him and what he said? No. We have to follow the truth, whatever the truth is. Ma'am. And we understand this for Imam uh, Ahmed. So when it comes to the issue of fiqh, when it comes to the bab of jarh with ta'adil and so on and so forth, we acknowledge from these imams that we follow them when they're correct and when others from the ulama have shown 
there's a mistake in this error or is clearly against yani, uh, the text of the book in the sunnah, then we don't follow them, we don't comply. If we understand this reality to be such with these four great imams, then why do people have a problem applying the same concept to scholars who are less in status and virtue than these four? It doesn't make sense. You understand? We're going to be like this with these four imams, but then other others from, from the scholars, we say, no, we got to take everything they say because they said it. Is that a concept that is a concept, yani, that is a Salafi, Sunni concept? No. That's not a Salafi, Sunni concept to blind follow anyone. But rather, this is what? This is a Sufi, Bid'i concept. So we have to be able to acknowledge and recognize these things when we see them and not be bamboozled uh, into applying falsehood and false principles uh, due to the eloquence and the beauty of how it was presented by whoever presented it. You understand? Falsehood is to be rejected no matter who brings it. Period. Period. In any event, it is important for us to know and to identify the evils of this type of concept and how it is contrary to the contrary to the truth. It's contrary to the book. It's contrary to the sunnah. Imam Muhammad Abdul Wahhabi goes on and he says, وَذَلِكَ أَنَّهُمْ يَظُنُونَ أَنَّ اللَّهِ جَعَلَ لِخَوَاصِ الْخَلْقِ عِنْدَهُ مَنْزِلَ يَرُضَ أَنْ يَلْتَجِئَ الْإِنسَانِ إِلَيْهِمْ وَيَرُجُوهُ وَيَسْتَغِيثُ بِهِمْ وَيَجْعَلَهُمْ وَاسِطَهُ this is because these Sufis The reason that they do this This is because they, they believe They falsely and erroneously believe That Allah Jalla wa'ala He has made some special ones From, the, from, his, from his creation He has made some, some who are special from his creation And given them the manzila and, and, that, and, and that he is pleased that they are turned to. He is pleased that these individuals they are turned to. And uh, people go unto them. And uh, has entrusted them with, with the, yani, and the like. Right? They trust themselves to them. Uh, other human beings. Such that they have hope in them. They put a hope in them with things that only Allah Ta'ala could deliver unto them. They seek refuge with these things in times of peril. And these things are thus to be made as intermediaries between them and between Allah. These things are intermediaries between them and between Allah. They believe that this is possible for an individual to, yani, uh, yeah, you know, fit such a bill or uh, have such a status that there will be an intermediary between uh, between you and Allah. Nah? You have to go through this person. When one reflects and knows anything about Christianity, this is a belief of many Christians. Is that they believe that, uh, some Christians, and they believe that Jesus is an intermediary between them and between Allah. So they believe. So they worship Jesus as, 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 because he's an intermediary between them and between Allah. You see, you see the shirk, shirk is shirk. Polytheism is polytheism. But anyway, this is what they believe and this is what leads them to what they do. Sheikh Fawzani mentions, he says, Yaqulun, they say, that Allah, He has 
special ones from his creation that he made them uh, of such that it is permissible to resort to them, to return unto them, to give them worship. Is that they believe that Allah has made certain ones where it's okay to supplicate to them, to seek help with them in times of peril, with things in which they don't have the ability to do, only Allah can do. Why? Because these ones are intercessors, the intercessors with Him. So therefore these people they seek to draw near unto these individuals by, by way of worship. They seek to draw near unto them by, by directing acts of worship unto them. This is what they are upon. This is what they are upon. They don't say that these ones are associates with Allah. That's not what they call it. Rather, they say their verbiage, they change it, right? They, they play some match. They say, no, no, that's not what they call it. Rather, they say, they say, no, these are inter intermediaries. These, these are, or excuse me, these are intercessors. They're going to intercede on our behalf. These are intercessors. That these are intercessors with Allah. So therefore, we draw near to them. We draw near to them. You know, you're getting good with the intercessor. Intercessor put a good word in. You know, you, you know this is what they think. SubhanAllah, you see? Uh, the the lowly understanding and thoughts they have about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that even such a system is needed or any would, would be respected. They say, They say, oh, this is because Allah chose them because of their righteousness and because of their piety. So therefore they have become Intermediaries between them and between, uh, uh, yani between the servants and between Allah. Now listen to this. If we acknowledge and, and understand that Isa, alayhi salatu wasalam, does not fit this bill with all of his virtue, with the fact that Allah subhanahu wa taala chose him as a prophet and a messenger, with the fact that Allah subhanahu wa taala revealed upon him a book. But in, 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 not the fact any of his high status, being one of the best in the prophets and messengers, hands down. But even with that, he does not deserve anything from worship. He does not deserve to be an intermediary between the creation and between Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if this is the case with Isa, alayhi salatu wasalam, then how in the world can those less than Isa, Fit this bill and be intermediaries between the creation between Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And of course, the answer is they, they can't. They cannot. You understand? It's not, it's not possible. This is absurd. You see? In any event, the Shaykh says, Allah ta'ala, he is far above and remove of what they be saying. The Shaykh says, he says, and thus they draw near until these huh, their awliya, their yani, what they call their their sheikh, yani, their shuyukh, wal fakir, wal fuqara, right? They draw near unto them with acts of worship. Those who are alive from them, from the Sufi sheikhs, and those who are dead from the Sufi sheikhs, they draw near unto them with acts of worship. Wa 
and they say إن المتقرب إليهم مثل المتقرب إن الله they say that the one who draws near to them is like the one who draws near unto Allah ويتقرب يعني من يتقرب للشيخ يتقرب لله and at the web the one who draws near to the sheikh then he draws near unto Allah that's what they're saying that the one who draws near to the sheikh then they draw near to Allah why they say because these ones they are shufa'a'una they are our intercessors they are our intercessors with Allah so we worship them because they are intercessors to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this is the Sufi belief this is the Sufi belief. This is not a belief of Islam. This is not a belief that was taught by any prophet and nor messenger. This is not the belief that Muhammad وسلم, he came with. Rather, this is the belief that the Prophet وسلم, used to fight against. You understand? What they saying, this is the belief of the polytheist of the Quraysh. This is the belief of the polytheists of the Arab. This is the belief of the polytheist period. You understand? This is the belief of the mushrikun. This is not the belief of the muwahidun. It's not the belief of the people of Tawheed. It's the belief of the people of Shirk. What's the proof of this? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says. وَيَعْبُدُونَ بِنْدُونِ اللَّهِ مَا لَا يَضُرُّهُمْ وَلَا يَنْفَعُهُمْ And they worship. Because remember, they draw near. How they draw near to the Sufi sheikhs? They make dua to him. Huh? Al-dua huwa al-ibadah. Kama qala Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Al-dua huwa al-ibadah. That dua, supplication, verily, it is worship. Okay? So they make dua unto them. So they what? They worship in them. They worship in a Sufi sheikh. Naam? They make dhabh. They slaughter unto them. Huh? Lillah. My slaughtering is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Slaughtering is supposed to be to Allah and Allah alone. In the name of Allah and Allah alone. So they, so they slaughter into, in the name of their Sufi Shaykh. Huh? So this is what, this is worship. So they what? They ya'abudun amin dunillah. They worshipping others than Allah. They worshipping things that are not Allah. They worshipping others. So Allah Ta'ala, He says, وَيَعْبُدُونَ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ And they worship other than Allah. مَا لَا يَدْرُّهُمْ وَلَا يَنْفَعُهُمْ That which does not benefit them, nor does uh, does not harm them, nor does it benefit them. مَا لَا يَدْرُّهُمْ Don't harm them, nor does it benefit them. Meaning, they're worshipping individuals who can't hurt them and who can't benefit them. They're worshipping things that in reality cannot hurt them, nor can do anything good for them. Naam? And what do they say? What is their claim? Or why they worshipping these things? What is their justification? Or why they worshipping these things? Why? وَيَقُولُونَ And they say, هَؤُلَاءِ شُفَعَاؤُنَا عِنْدَ اللَّهِ They say that these ones, they are our intercessors with Allah. They are our intercessors with Allah. لعب الشيطان بهم إلى هذا الحد. The shaytan, you see, Shaykh Fozani said the shaytan has played with them until he got them to this extent. 
this is to the extent that the shaitan has bamboozled them, has tricked them, has misled them, misguided them, till they got till they came to this extent. Till they came to this extent. Where they're claiming Islam, but they're running around with the beliefs of the polytheist who the Prophet of Islam came to fight against. So it is incumbent and it is important that we understand that the relabeling of something does not change its reality. You can change the name of something, but it does not change what the reality of that thing is. You can call polytheism, monotheism, and it don't make it monotheism. It will never be monotheism because it is polytheism. So no matter how you try to rebrand shirk, shirk is shirk. It would never be tawheed. Naam? It would never be tawheed. And no matter how much you try to rebrand the aqidah of the polytheists and try to make it seem like this is the this is the legitimate Islamic belief, it would never be the legitimate Islamic belief. Why? Because this is the belief of the polytheists. This is not the belief of the people of Islam. It is a comment, it is a must that we know and that we understand the likes of what these Sufis they are upon because they are coming with their doubts. They are trying to justify their shirk. They are trying to uh, 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 give uh, credence to their creed so it is incumbent that we are able to see and identify this shirk, this misguidance, this bid'ah when we come across it so that we are able to as they say call a spade a spade and know what time it is bihnilahi ta'ala the imam rahmatullah he goes on to further highlight some of the errors, false creeds, and beliefs of the Sufis of his day. But with Milahi Ta'ala, we're going to save that until the uh, next class. So, thus, we will stop at this point. فَنَتَّفِي بِهَذَا الْقَدَرِ وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين والحمد لله رب العالمين وجزاكم الله خيراً